0: Okay, well, are you ready for the Word this morning? Yes. You know, I've decided to get the paper Bible out, not because I'm old-fashioned, because I realize every time I get my phone out, and there's nothing wrong with like iPads and phones reading your Bible, but it keeps pinging, like Facebook message, and I'm thinking, I'm, it's distracting me from the Lord. So I've got to get the paper, because it doesn't ping. It, when I'm alone with God, it doesn't ping, or no pictures come up. I thought, right, I'm getting back to the old-fashioned way so, so I can get no distraction for me and Jesus. But anyway, so I'm going to carry on from just talking about what's on my heart. I'm going to preach this week and next week, two messages, Journey to Kingship, talking about David. I love David um, because he wasn't perfect, but God used him. And I like that. So let me read to you from, um, do you know something? I've been in this church 16 years now, and it's the first time I'm about to put glasses on to read the Bible. Oh, my goodness. Lord, help us. Okay, verse chapter 16, 1 Samuel 16. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears about it, he'll kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Interesting when God speaks to you, doesn't give you the whole plan, even prophets. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled with fear and said, "You know, have you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come And he had passed in front of Samuel, but Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, No, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all your sons that you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he's tending the sheep. Samuel said, Send for him. We we will not sit down until he arrives. So we sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and he had fine appearance and a handsome feature. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. And Samuel then went to Rama. You know, when you, when you get into the stories and begin to um, begin to look at them and think, how can I learn something with this? You know, when you read this, it's, it's just eye-opening to some of the journey that, that David had to take before he actually ended up as king. You know, there will be always a, a process and a preparation for us to fulfill in the fulfillment of God in our lives. Every one of us. You know, Ryan preached on last week, faithful in it all. Faithful in our giving and our serving and our praying and also in our going, our showing to the world. And that is so important for us. But when David was anointed in front of his brothers, interesting that God didn't hide him at that moment. But he wanted to show his brothers and his dad that he was the chosen person for the next season of the kingship. It actually took David 15 years from that anointing before he actually received the crown. 15 years gap of a journey before he actually came to be king. And we can learn something of his journey over the next two messages for every one of us who was on a journey with God trying to fulfill his purpose that we will not be able to bypass some of these things that David did. And so they're clearly helping us to understand um, what God will do through our lives. So I want to encourage you this morning. The first point is this. God can use you. God can use you. And is the the thing. God does not need anyone's approval to choose you either. I love that. You know, God does not look for perfection. He looks for obedience. He looks for availability. And, you know, you can see that from the first few verses when you open this passage in chapter 16, God speaks to Samuel, who is a prophet, but is a prophet that is the end of his ministry, and quite miserable at the moment of, of, of his life, because at this moment, his sons are disobedient in his life, so his family life is not perfect, so his kids are off the rails, you know, serving God in the wrong way, and so he's like living with that as a prophet, trying to keep up the appearance of somebody trying to serve the Lord, and that also his, men, his person that he's mentoring, King Saul, he's now longer in relationship with him. He's had to rebuke him. In fact, God's rejected him. So now his protege, he's been inputting his life, is now no longer under the approval of God. So his life is sort of miserable. And also the nation of Israel are in a mess. It's the nearly end, and he's old, and he's thinking, all this, and now I feel like I don't feel I could serve God anymore. I'm at the end, and it's a total mess. But here's the interesting thing: God said to Samuel, Listen, I know you may be feeling unapproved right now, but your next move is your best part of your ministry. Your last season is going to be your best part because I want you to anoint the next king. I love this about God. He could have said, well, your kids are not walking with God, so I'm not going to use you. Yeah, well, the person you've been like mentoring, he's like falling apart. And look at the nation after all your years of prophecy. It's in a mess. But God did not give up on Samuel and said to him, your assignment is not over. And if you're here today thinking my life is a mess right now, I want to say to you, this is the only thing you hear, your assignment is not over. Over. Come on. God can use you. God can use you. And so I want to encourage you today, when, when you look for the stories of Scripture... You know, you, you can't believe the responses from people when God is going to use somebody. Moses, I can't do it. Jeremiah, I'm too young. Gideon, I'm the weakest in my family. Peter, I'm a sinful man. And the Apostle Paul, what a wretched man I am. Everybody, when God speaks to them about following him to do something, always, always responds with, you've got the wrong person. You know, they, they never respond, Lord, it's taking you some while. You know, I, you should have actually asked me last year. When I was ready, you know, if that's you, you're not ready. (laughs) When God calls you to do something next, you're not ready because it takes faith to do your next level. That means you have to trust God for whatever He's going to ask you to do in your life. But I want to encourage you because when you are brought into God's family and you get saved, your all inclusive package is that He wants you to serve Him. Because Ephesians says, For it is by grace you have been saved. And this is through faith. It's not of yourself. It's a gift of God where no one can boast. And then in verse 10 it says, For we are God's handiwork chosen created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has prepared in advance for us to do. So no matter what you feel like today, no matter how you arrived today, no matter what you're like at home today, God has chosen you. You're his handiwork. No matter what you feel like, look like, and your experience like, God has chosen you and prepared good works in advance for you to walk into. So it's all inclusive. It's not just the pastor that he will use. He says that for us to do, that's the body, everyone who knows the Lord. Paul would say to the, to the church in Corinth, brothers and sisters, Think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards, nor many or influential. Not many were noble by birth, but God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. I want to encourage you that when, when you are stepping up to be used by God, you, you haven't got have it all together and you can't be, you're never going to be perfect. But what I want you to know is that when God uses you, you can't get away from the fact that it's actually the God that's made you look good. Now, you may put a lot of effort in and may a lot of study in, but at the end of the day, it's God who makes us look good. Amen? And so we must remember that. I want you to write these three things down that to help you if you're going to serve God in any way. Paul's approach to ministry. 1 Timothy 1 says this, I think Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength. so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus, might display his immense patience as an example for those who will believe in him and receive eternal life. Verse 17. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor, glory forever and ever. Three points of foundation of Paul's ministry. Number one, never forget where you come from. I was a chief of sinners. Never forget, you 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 might be doing great things for God, but never forget where he brought you from. That's was Paul's foundation. Number two, never forget it's a privilege that God has given you a ministry and trust, and counts you trustworthy. Don't take it for granted that God has placed something in your life and he trusts you with it. He said, I, I can't believe that God has entrusted me with this opportunity. And thirdly, never forget who you're serving. It's for Jesus because he finishes you with a now to the king eternal Immortal, invisible, the only God. So he remembers where he comes from. He understands that it's a privilege to be given the ministry and he never forgets who he's doing it for. If you keep those three things in balance, you'll be serving the Lord really well. But I see oftentimes people forget these things and think it's all about them and just all about their kingdom. And so I want to continue to keep going that God gives different gifts to the body and workings and opportunities. And all these in 1 Corinthians 12 says, are from the one spirit. And he determines to each one who he will give them to. Now, we are to desire the gifts, but it's the Holy Spirit that gives them. Amen? And so you might think, wow, I could just sing like Donna. Let me tell you, if you haven't got a good voice, it's not going to happen. Okay? I'm going there thinking, oh, wow, I'm going to sing this when I get home. But when I hear my voice, I think, no, I won't have desire, listen, God gives the gifts. Now, we want to desire them, but it's God that gives them, and he gives them to who he will. He doesn't need our permission. I love that. And so God has given us gifts and callings, plans to achieve, and he's placed them into our hands. But listen to this. We are responsible to manage and handle them well. We have, been, we have seen gifted people mismanage their gift and no longer in ministry, usual, usually because of a moral failure. And so often, listen, so often our character development is catching up with our gifting. It's catching up. I'm not perfect. So when you know if I if I preach a great sermon, I'm catching up in my development of character. And so we have to remember that, but you just can't make that an excuse of saying, oh, well, that's how I've always been. No, no. When God gives you a grace gift, you have to manage it well. That means you have to work and allow God to work on the inside of you and allow the fruit of the Spirit to grow as well as developing the gifts of the Spirit. Does that make sense? And so many people can mismanage the gift and fall out with things. The thing is this. It's like my little illustration. I brought a plastic knife just for safety. Now, if I were to give you this knife, I've used this illustration twice in this church in 16 years, but it's so good, I wanna use it again, and for those on camera. If I give you a knife, you can take it by the handle, and it will serve you and serve others. But if you take it by the blade, it will cut you and cut others. It all depends how you handle it. And when God gives you a gift, it's your responsibility to handle it well, and that means character development. Attitude, development. So you can be the most anointed person in the world, but if your attitude stinks, your ministry will stop. Say amen. amen. If you don't allow the character to catch up with the anointing that God's given you, let me tell you what happens. Like loads of people that I've seen in ministry, they, because the gift is flowing, they think they have a license to live how they want. But our responsibility is to live a life of integrity. If God has gifted me more with a a gift on my life, I take more seriously to to live a life of integrity. Because I tell you, the higher that God will take me, the more people I can destroy when I fall. And so it's my responsibility to manage my integrity, manage my attitude and ask God to grow the fruit of the Spirit in me so when God gives me bigger platforms, I'll be able to keep on going and not mismanage what God has given to me. When God chooses, he does not look where men look. Please understand that. God looks at the heart of a person and sometimes we think we can judge a person's heart. We can't do that. Only God can see the heart of a person. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. How wrong can we be sometimes when we think that that person's the right person? Let me tell you, it's so important that we... We get to hear the voice of God about about people. We write people off sometimes, and God may want to use them mightily. And we've got to be open to the Holy Spirit. Do not consider his appearance or his height. I have rejected him. Do you know something? What really frightens me the most in ministry is that people can keep on in ministry when God has finished with them. And they still think they have a right to keep doing it my biggest fear is that I will do anything for God and I haven't got his approval. Just because I've got a crowd cheering me on doesn't mean to say it's God's approving. Because let me tell you something, Saul continued as king when God rejected him. So we must. I must have an attitude of God. Are you still approving my ministry? Are you still on it? Are you still happy with it? Is your smile still upon what I do for you? Not because I've got more followings on Twitter. Not because I've got like loads of amens on Facebook. Lord, what do you think about what I'm doing for you? Have, you, have I still got the presence on what I'm doing? Because if you're happy, not really bothered if I've got any followers on Facebook. And so often in our culture right now, you can be driven by the approval of how many followers you've got or what people say about you. The most important thing is what God says about your life and about how you minister to him because that will give longevity. He says, because I do not look at the appearance of men, I look at the heart. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. The person that God looks for is often the person who's overlooked by people who feel they are disqualified for the job. David was overlooked by his father and his brothers, but he he did not allow this to affect his future in God. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he comes. Do you know something what I like about David? Because I want you to ask you a question right now. Suppose you've got seven brothers and you, you knew that they were invited for an interview to be next king, but you weren't actually invited. You had to stay with the, with the sheep. And all of a sudden, someone says to David, Hey, David, have a guess what? None of your brothers got chosen, but Samuel wants to see you. He, he could have said, I'm not going. Never invited in the first place. And our attitude can kill the next steps in God. Oh, well, if you'd have asked me earlier on, Then I'm ready to go. But David didn't allow anything to catch his spirit, even though he wasn't invited to the party. He still kept serving God where nobody could see. And when the opportunity came, he just said, okay, I'm going to just go into the presence. and not really bother. He never got, you know, a strop that, you know, he wasn't on the interview. And so it's interesting that when Samuel said, have you got anybody else, Jesse? He went, yeah, but not sure he was worth the interview. He's with the sheep. He could have carried rejection from his dad. But you know what David said? Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. See, his walk with God was not contaminated by anybody in his family or anybody around him. He was set fast in his life. And I want to tell you today that you, you may see I'm getting overlooked, but I want to say as long as God is watching you, that's what's important. You can be out of sight and out of mind to others, but God is mindful of you. God is planning to pluck you out of the dark, out of the desert, and bring you into his purpose. It is often when God is going to use you, he hides you. Do you know that? It's often when God is going to use you mightily, he hides you in, in areas of insignificance. Because it's where the preparation is happening in our lives. It doesn't matter if no one sees you, as long as God sees you, because he will find you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. In John's Gospel, it says, when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, here Truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus said, I saw you. Hallelujah. I saw you while you were under the fig tree before Philip even called you. You know, some of you are serving and you don't know whether your next season is, you know, am I going to fulfill the desires of my heart? God sees you, and God can open the door when he's ready for you. As long as you are faithful to what you've been given, and you are trustworthy what he's handed you, I want to tell you, God can take you out of the furthest desert and bring you into his place. If this story doesn't show you that, that, that this young boy was never even thought about, but God made sure that he would get him to the right place at the right time. And there he was anointed in front of his brothers. He's thinking, how have I got here? I'm so full of olive oil. What on earth is going on? One minute I'm with the sheep with nobody there. And now God's anointed me in front of all of my family. God has a sense of humor. Whatever you do, work with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ that you are serving. I've learned this a long time, that whatever I do, whether it's the applause of men or not, is for the Lord. It's for the Lord, because God looks at the heart. Number one, God can use you. Do you believe that today? Do you know, if I were to actually sit down with you and ask half of you, I believe half of you would say, I'm not quite sure. I want to end by praying to release some of you today, because God wants to use you. And God is going to speak to some of you over this next few months. He's going to call you just like you're going to get a call. You're going to get a phone call saying someone wants to see you or get involved in this. And that is your moment to respond to what God wants to do in your journey of your life. Number two, if you are going to do something for God, you have to be available to serve. It was actually serving the sheep. In other words, it was doing something. God will never call anybody that's doing nothing. Do you know something? Over the 30 years of ministry, I've had a few people come to me and go, you know what, God's called me to whatever it is, the nations, and they can't even bother turning up on Sunday. So I will go, it's not the Lord. don't even have to pray about it. Why? Because if you can't turn up on Sunday, why would God call you to the nations? So, you know, David was doing something. You know, and God always looks at people who are actively involved. Let me just write this down. No one follows a parked car. When you are a static Christian, you become unusual. Unusual for Jesus, not unusual unusable for Jesus. There has to be movement in your walk with God. Now, for some of our watches, I know that from disability requirements, you can't make it and you think, well, I, I can't move. Yeah, you can because as you pray for the church, you're moving. As you give your tithes and your offerings, you're moving. As you begin to offer your gifts and your talents, you're moving. As God, as, you, as long as you're moving to help the kingdom of God, purpose, God can take you onto another level. You know, when God called Samuel, well, he said, here I am. When God called Abraham, he said, here I am. I want to say, when God calls you, what do you say? Because Isaiah says, then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. I've known loads of Christians that will go send him or send her. And do you know something? God is looking for availability. Hudson Taylor said, I used to ask God if he would come and help me. Then I asked if if I could come and help him. And finally, I ended by asking God to do his own work through me. Are you ready when God calls you? No matter where it is and what it is that he wants you to do, are you going to ready to say, here I am, Lord, and ready? And thirdly and finally, this is a really good point. He served where nobody else wanted to serve. Wow. Wow. His brothers certainly didn't want to be with the sheep. He, what, he did something that nobody else was willing to do. He didn't say, this story is fascinating. He gets anointed in front of his brothers of being the next king. Wouldn't you have thought he would have sort of strutted his stuff around the home a little bit? I think I might just have a go at my older brothers thinking, how come the Lord like sort of didn't anoint you? But, but now, I'm, I'm the chosen one. I, I'm the one that's anointed. But you know, when you read this passage, do you know where David, what David was doing after he was anointed? Still looking after his dad's sheep. He never let the pride go to his head that he was bigger than his brothers because God had chosen him. He, couldn't, he could have said, I do not do sheep ministry anymore. I only do king ministry. I've been anointed by the prophet in front of all of you. Now one of you needs to go and look after the sheep. I'm ready for kingship. No, David had humility enough to know it was a process in following Jesus. And there he was doing something that nobody else wanted to do. Do you know, in this private place, this place where nobody else wanted to serve, was the preparation place where David chased the lion and the bear. It was the private place, the place where nobody else wanted to serve, where David wrote Psalm 23 and all the other Psalms, for the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not Want It was the place where nobody else wanted to be, where David learned to be a worshipper and also a warrior, ready for the day that was coming in his life. And that's why the Bible says, do not despise the day of small beginnings. So you may be unhappy or miserable, just waiting to get your promotion or your next level of ministry, but I want to say to you, you must take the opportunity where God's placed you now and be faithful with all of your heart and learn to write some psalms where you are now. Learn to overcome some stuff where you are now and learn some new skills where God has placed you. Stop waiting for the next promotion. Stop waiting for the next break, especially when you're half-hearted where God's placed you now. The very thing that you despise may be the very springboard to your future blessing. I see so many Christians when it's not glamorous to serve they don't want to come. And they don't realize that God's watching. That God is looking for people who's available and at times to do things that nobody else wants to do. I'm not saying all the time. I'm saying, an attitude that says, Lord, what needs to be done right now? I'll do it. Because God is watching. I want to read something to you about somebody in the workplace to help some of you in your workplace to get a promotion. Are you ready for it? Antonio Neves, I think his name is, workplace engagement speaker, award-winning journalist and author. He said, I'm always asked the same question by the audience. How do I stand out in my job and get noticed? He said, it's a good good question, not with the wrong intent, but a good question. How do I get noticed? He says, my answer to the question, regardless of what stage someone is at in their career, is always the same. Do the job that no one else wants to do. At first, the response is typical, something like, but if no one wants to do that job, why should I do it? Allow me to explain, he says. Over the course of a career, especially early on, opportunities for you to stand out will pop up on a regular basis. But it's easy to overlook these moments and be totally unaware of their potential because they seem so underwhelming At the time. Do any of these ring a bell? A tough assignment became available but instead of volunteering to work on it, you looked down at your notebook and said nothing because you were intimidated by how much work it would involve. Your boss asked for volunteers to come in early to help set up for a meeting but you wanted the extra 30 minutes of sleep instead. Someone in another department a department you have your eye on for the future, asked if you were interested in staying late to help their team finish an important project. It sounded great, but you had dinner planned and decided to pass. A manager you respected desperately needed a work-related errand to run during crunch time for the company, but you told yourself that your job description didn't say anything about running errands. Your boss asked for people willing to train other employees on a piece of software that you happen to know well. You knew someone else would raise their hand and finally they did, so you figured no harm was done. Sure, not one of these examples sound particularly exciting, he says, and it's true that they may not be a part of your description. So why say yes to any of them? The simple reason because nine out of 10 people won't. I want to be the one person that when God asks me to do something, I'm going to say yes. You see, Jesus walked into a room and there was something that needs to be done that nobody wanted to do. They was at the top table there was the apostles, but but there needed to be some feet washed, and they didn't think that they should do it, and they forgot the towel because now they're too important. So Jesus got up from the meal took off his outer clothing. See, if you are going to serve the Lord, there are some things that you have to take off. He wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around his waist. Now that I have done this for you, I have set you an example. If any of you want to be great, then you have to be willing to do something that nobody else wants to do. It's called servanthood. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage or to be grasped. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross because nobody else could do what he had to do. And the only way that we're ever going to see a nation saved is if a church... Is more concerned about tiles than titles. And that we never forget why we were saved. Because we are servants and sons and daughters of the living God. And if we have an attitude, God, in this church, we, we don't want to do what other churches are doing. We want to do what nobody else wants to do. Here we are, send us. So what do you need to take off this morning as I finish? The obvious things is you've got to take off the pride sometimes. I'm too big for that role, too anointed for that area. No, no, you've got to take that off if you're going to follow Jesus. You've got to take off the ego. I'm too big for this place. You know, Donna could have said that because she is. She didn't need to come drive an hour and a half from London, six o'clock in the morning to come and help a friend to help us in a COVID pandemic. The reason why is because she's a servant. God is not interested in stars, folks. It moves him when you have a servant attitude. So what is it that you have to take off? Selfish ambition, they're the obvious things. The other thing is that hinders us from serving God is called sin. Now, God opens the all-inclusive buffet for you to serve Him, But if you have got sin in one hand, you're never going to be able to take the towel in the other. That's why he was to let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles some of you here today without condemnation on the camera, you want to follow Jesus, but you, your lifestyle's got to change if you want to fulfill everything God's got for you because you'll only fulfill some of it. And what will happen is you blame the church because they won't allow you to go further than, than you can go because of your lifestyle or your attitude or your sinful behavior. We have to take responsibility and throw it off. We, we can't do that for you. But here's what I felt the Holy Spirit speak about as I finish right now. This is what I believe the Lord wants for some of us to throw off here. The last words to Samuel, the beginning of this journey. Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? How long will you be disappointed in this moment of your life? How long will you carry this in your heart for I have something for you to do how long are you going to carry this discouragement this failure, this guilt this fear for some of you today who would say how long are you going to carry that God would never use me can you stand with me right now Because over this next month, God is going to speak to some of you about doing something for Him. And some of you feel disqualified in this place. Because you're carrying and wearing something you shouldn't for too long. God could not surely use me. They're the very words that's been echoing in my mind over this message. God would not surely use me. You have to take that off if you're going to run for God. You've been carrying discouragement and yes, you have to go through mourning but but God said to him, so, Samuel, how long am I going to have to wait for you to throw off the discouragement and go again for me? Holy Spirit, all over this place and on the camera right now, those who are in disappointment, those who are going through a season of guilt or fear or discouragement. Maybe the Lord would say to you, how long are you going to carry this? I need you to, to take off the garment of discouragement. I need you to take off the garment that's holding you back for my purpose. Father, would you release them as we sing this song, Lord. rain, as we singly be prophetically over us, that people will leave, those watching, that you will leave today, that, that what you're wearing that God doesn't want you to wear will be left behind at the cross so you can go for God right now. The Holy Spirit will be speaking to you about what you need to take off when you leave. But particularly those of you who say, you know what, God would not use me. It's a lie. And you need to take it off. Get ready for what God is going to put in your hand.